0: Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you
1: will be blessed by this teaching.
2: Hi everybody. Happy Easter. How are you doing tonight? Yeah. yeah. David looks good tonight. Wow. Wow, will you look at your neighbor and I want you to tell them two things about how good God is, any two things that come to mind, why is God good, two reasons, good job, good job. I want to give you guys a Christianity test, are you ready? If you don't pass this, I hate to tell it to you, you might not be a Christian. When you took your Christianity test when you first believed, did you get 80% or higher? Is that how it works? Yeah? No? Okay. All right, here's your test. Are you ready? God is good. All the, time. all the time. God is good. All right, all right. We'll see if we'll see if you agree with yourselves later. Here's what I want to tell you. God is love. Would you agree? Yeah, it's very very simple. God is love here's another statement. God is always good. Do you agree? Oh, okay. I only heard a few less than the God is love. God is always good. Okay. I was just making sure. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good, except when he allows cancer and car accidents and plagues and famine, right? Today we're going to talk about the idea that God is not in control. He's in charge. He's not in control. And I know that instantly offends people in the room. But listen, God is love. God is love. Say it to your neighbor. God is love. God is love. And Jesus is the perfect representation of God. We talk about this quite a bit. I want to hit a couple of highlights. But listen, if God is love and Jesus is the perfect revelation of God, Jesus, therefore, is the perfect revelation of love. Is Jesus God? Okay. Jesus perfectly shows us what love looks like, what love acts like, like what love sounds like, what love preaches on, how love moves, how love operates. And the reason is because Jesus looks exactly like God and God looks exactly like Jesus. Let's put a few scriptures up here. These are going to be familiar to a lot of people in the room. Let's start with John 10, 30. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. We're united. We're perfectly united. John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I can only do what my Father is already doing. If you see me doing it, it means God is already doing it. Would you agree? Okay. Jesus' name is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Biblically speaking, the names of God reveal nature or identity, they reveal nature and promises. So when God says, I am Emmanuel, it's a promise that God is with us. Does this make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, has seen. Has seen. Your neighbor's like, what are you talking about? Has seen. Let's go to John 14, 9 through 10. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father how can you say, show us the Father? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the works. In other words, I look exactly like him. I sound exactly like him. We are one. We're perfectly united. Jesus exactly revealed God's heart and God's will. Still with me? Jesus revealed God the Father perfectly and exactly. And because Jesus perfectly shows us the Father, he, Jesus, is the clearest and truest way to know what love actually looks like. Got real quiet. Someone's asking me for their Wi-Fi password. I'm not sharing it with you. Sorry, people. Jesus is the clearest and truest way to know what love looks like. Because who is love? God is love, and Jesus looks exactly like God. Let me rephrase that. Jesus looks exactly like love. The goodness of God is often brought into question because people will look at Job or Moses' understanding of God to be equal with Jesus' perfect revelation of God. It's not equal it's lesser. Now hear me, the whole Old Testament is beautiful. I I actually enjoy the Old Testament just as much as the New Testament. God can be discovered on every page of the Old Testament. He's just not revealed perfectly through the Old Testament. He's revealed perfectly through Jesus. Reading the Old Testament is like looking in a dimly lit mirror. The Old Testament raises so many questions about God, and Jesus is the answer to all of them. He's the answer. Listen, Jesus is the whole answer. He's the whole truth. Jesus is the whole perfect representation of God. He's who the whole Bible is about. He is who everything before him points to. And he is who everything after him is built upon. He's the answer. And only Jesus perfectly revealed God. Thumbs up? All right, all right. You guys ever hear the concept of the Trinity? All right, I hope so. Just found out who the Christians were. All right. Trinity, it's the idea of three-in-one, right? This beautiful mystery, three-in-one. So pop quiz, I promise these are not trick questions. Just answer out loud. Is God God? Is Jesus God? Is the Holy Spirit God? So according to your logic, wouldn't it make sense to look at Jesus, who is God, and the Holy Spirit, who is God, to see what God is like? Wouldn't it make less sense to look at fallen man in the Old Testament who doesn't operate with a renewed mind and think that's what God is like? Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. You're looking at him, is what he was saying. So Jesus, who is God, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, who is God, and he only did what God the Father was doing and saying, that's probably a pretty good representation of who God is. Yeah? Jesus was God in the flesh. Agreed? Okay. Jesus is the best way to know what God is like. So if Jesus is the perfect, true, and exact representation of who God is, then Jesus also must be the true and exact way to discover God's nature. He perfectly represents him. There's nothing that is in Jesus that runs counter to the Father. Nothing. Not the way he thinks, not the way he acts, not the way he looks, not the way he moves. God is sovereign, correct? God is love, correct? God is fully, perfectly sovereign. God is fully perfect love. And the confusion comes in when we try to define sovereign. Sovereignty, a lot of people think sovereignty means control. I want to tell you, sovereignty has nothing to do with control. You look it up on your phone after service. Don't be looking because then you're going to start scrolling and break your social media fast and all. oh, It's just going to be rampant sin everywhere. But if you look up the definition of sovereign or sovereignty, it means possessing supreme or ultimate power. It has to do with power. It has to do, when you're sovereign, it means you're on top of the chain of authority. It means you don't have to answer to anyone else. It means you're self-governing. God is completely sovereign in all that he, is, all that he does. Sovereignty has nothing to do with control. God is perfectly sovereign and he is perfect love. So what did what does God's sovereign love look like? Well, his sovereign love healed the sick. And his sovereign love fed the hungry. And his sovereign love healed the, or raised the dead. His sovereign love forgave the prostitute his sovereign love forgave the adulterer his sovereign love forgave the thief his sovereign love cast out demons and his sovereign love calmed the storms here's the crazy thing about his sovereignty is that Jesus never brought sovereign love through acts of sovereign control he never operated in control Let me put it this way, Jesus never never revealed God through control, not once. Jesus never forced a single person to do his will, even the people who were nailing him to the cross. Jesus is the exact revelation of God, Jesus is the exact revelation of sovereignty, and sovereignty means supreme power and authority. So Jesus is the exact revelation of supreme power and authority and he never controlled anyone. In fact, a lot of scriptures tell us that he came to do the opposite. He came to bring freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is free. Is, is the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of the Lord God? Let me rephrase that. Where God is, there is freedom listen Jesus's sovereignty his absolute power and authority always was revealed through love and not control I, I'm repeating this a whole lot tonight because you need to get this right sovereign love never once controlled others it always manifested through freedom because that's where the spirit of the Lord is Jesus never once made people do things show me the scripture where Jesus is using the mind meld technique to force people to do things. He didn't do it. You don't think he could have? He's fully God, fully man. But Jesus often came and spoke about his mission being the opposite of control, where he would strengthen the weak, where he would release captives. He would release them. If you're releasing them, they're going into freedom. He came to release captives. He came to set the oppressed free he came to break chains not give chains and he came to bring believers into self control he doesn't operate through control guys Jesus never blesses diseases he heals them he never put shackle the shackles of sickness on people he removed it he never tied people to their sins he released them from it everything he did Brought people into freedom, not control. So let me simplify something for you guys. God may be in charge, but he's not in control. And I know that we're getting into semantics, but man, this is really important. He's in charge, but he's not in control. God's not in control. He's good. A lot of people ask the question, well, if God is good, why do bad things happen? And if God is good, why do people go to hell? And those are very sincere questions. And the reason they ask that is because they need help compartmentalizing how a good God could allow those things. And when bad things happen, a lot of times believers will say, I I don't know, but God is in control. I don't know, God is in control. You ever hear that? Raise your hand if you ever heard that. Raise your hand if you ever said that. No, don't, nope. (laughs) Don't. That was a setup. And when people say, I don't know, but God is in control, it actually comes from a a good heart. It's usually trying to console a person, but it usually causes more questions and hurt. And the reason is because it terribly misrepresents God in his nature. He's not in control. He doesn't want to be in control. When we say God is in control, it inadvertently puts us in agreement with the idea that God allows sin and sickness and disease and famine and genocide genocide the idea of control makes believing in the goodness of god very complicated if we think that sovereignty is defined as control we're going to complicate the idea of his goodness we'll make control the simple and that makes goodness the complicated And unfortunately, a lot of believers put their faith in the idea that God is in control. And again, that makes control very simple. But when control becomes simple, goodness becomes complicated. So when we say, I don't know, but God is in control, control it usually elicits a response from the person asking the question that says, like, I can't trust a God who allows cancer and child abuse and murder. If that's who he is, I don't want to follow him, right? If he's in control and allows it, it means he could have stopped it. Our belief that God is in control, it inadvertently says that ultimately, ultimately, God is responsible for our pain and for our loss because he allows it. And if God is in absolute control, it means he allows all the horrors that happen in this world. But here's the truth. Biblically, God never asks us to believe that he's in control. But he repeatedly demonstrates and asks us to trust that he's good. Biblically, we can find that God is love. And biblically, we can find that God is good. But you cannot say that God is in control. If God is, maybe he's not causing it but if God is allowing for evil and torment it makes statements like God works all things together for our good it makes those statements lose a lot of the impact when we believe that he is the one who caused the pain in the first place it's like he's allowing the pain and then he'll make it work out for good a good God who allows child abuse so that it can work out for that child's good. Man, that's a twisted view of goodness. Let's start making God's goodness the unwavering foundation and allow the idea that God is in control, we'll allow that to get complicated. But you can't have both. God's goodness is incomprehensibly simple. It's so simple. When people ask, why does God allow bad things to happen? Change the response. You say, God isn't in control. He's in charge. He doesn't allow for it. If if I was a kid and a thief broke into my house one night and stole all my GI Joes, I'd be angry. But you know what? I wouldn't blame my dad. I would blame the thief who broke into my house and stole it. It's really simple. A good dad would never allow the thief to come in and come into the house and hurt and rob my family. Of course not. The problem is that thieves usually don't ask permission before they rob and they steal and they destroy. Let's go to Isaiah 54. If any, this is God speaking. If anyone does attack you, It will not be my doing. Other translations say, if anyone attacks you, it will not be from me. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. And I just throw this one verse in there because if we say, like, nope, ultimately God allows it. God right here, even if this is the only time, which it's not, if this were the only time in Scripture where God was like, I didn't allow that, it suddenly puts a huge crack in the dam of control. God's like, if that bad thing happens, you need to know I wasn't behind it in any way, shape, or form. So why does God allow? He doesn't. He doesn't. God has nothing to do with the horrors and the evils of this world. Satan does. He's the one. He's the one. And everything has to do with him. We forget that there's two players in this play. What are the three jobs of the devil? It's to kill Steal, destroy. And we also know that the Bible says your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's the thief breaking into houses. All of the evils of this world are the devastating result of sin. All of them. They're all the result of sin, which is something that God paid the highest price to erase the penalty of. They're all the result of sin, which is something that cost God everything to redeem and restore. He's not working on the enemy's side. He doesn't rob you. He doesn't kill you. He doesn't steal from you. He doesn't destroy you. Are you guys okay? All right. It's not God's control that make all that makes all things come together for our good. It's his love. It's his love that makes all things come together for our good. It's God's love that's sovereign, not his control. Sovereign love. God is love. And Love was perfectly demonstrated through Jesus. So if God is love, it means Jesus is love. And if only Jesus perfectly represented God, then only Jesus perfectly represented God's nature. Let's go to John 3.16, everyone's favorite Bible verse on Easter. Is it even an Easter sermon if we don't throw this one in there? I'm going to have you guys read it with me. Are you ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved. God so loved. This is what sovereign love looks like. It's God's love that saved the world, not his control. It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance, not his control. Sovereign control always complicates love. Sovereign love, sovereign control always complicates goodness. So all of that said, now we can finally get to the sermon. That was the prep but this, the rest of the sermon is very short. Just one point, and it's very easy. But it's the main point in saying all this is that control actually destroys intimacy. Control destroys intimacy. It's the biggest deal of them all. And so today is probably the most glorious, victorious day of the year. It's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday, when literally all of world history changed. We still, even whether whether you believe in Jesus or not, we all mark our calendars around him. He's the reason why we exist. And on Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But why do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? A lot of people would say, because that's when he forgave our sins. And now we get to go to heaven. That's not wrong. That's just not fully correct. Correct. Here's what I mean. God didn't save Jesus. Let me, re- that was not true. God didn't save Jesus. Jeriel, erase 10 seconds ago. Here we go. God didn't send Jesus. To live a sinless life, to be born of a virgin, to suffer and to be beaten, to die lonely on the cross, to get buried in a tomb and rise on the third day, to take the keys of death and rob the grave, to resurrect on that third day, to ascend to his rightful throne in heaven because he wanted to save us from our sins. That's not why he did any of that. No, God did all of that to restore our relationship with him. There's a big difference. He tore the veil to restore our relationship with him. And listen, that restored relationship absolutely includes the cross and the stone that's rolled away. But the whole point wasn't to eliminate our sins. The whole point was to bring sons and daughters back into intimacy with him and redeem and restore that which was lost. It's to regather his kids. Does that include the forgiveness of sin? Absolutely, that's a huge part of it. But this is why intimacy is such a big deal. This is why we talk about intimacy at Kingdom Living all the time, is that we are no longer slaves. We are no longer servants. We are friends. We're sons. We're daughters. We're brides. We're the bride of Christ. And here's the question. Is it healthy to control your spouse? If I said, uh, I am Sam. This is Tanis. uh, I control her. Or if Tanis introduced me, she said, hey, this is my husband. He's very controlling. Would your first response be, wow, this is healthy? (laughs) No, but I want to tell you, you're the bride of Christ. He's your bridegroom. And are are you telling me that he controls you? Wow, that just totally took a shift on what a healthy marriage looks like. You're his his sons and daughters. Is it healthy to try to control your children? Or do you want them to have self-control? Listen to me, as we grow in intimacy with the God who is love, it should make love less complicated. And I'm okay if that makes control more complicated, but it will never complicate his goodness. It will never complicate his love. Control is the opposite of love and God is not in control, God is love. Jesus literally came to do the opposite of control. He destroyed control. He set captives free, right? We just said this. He turned sinners into saints. Who do you think is under the shackles of oppression, sinners or saints? Yeah. He released slaves and turned them into sons and daughters. He broke bondages. Jesus never once got out his chains and created bondages and gave them to people. In fact, that's what he got so mad at the Pharisees for doing. And then he set people free from their sin and sickness and disease. It was always toward freedom. Jesus came to reveal sovereign love. And in this sovereign love, it brought access and restoration to intimacy with the Father. Pablo, do you want to come up here, man? Pablo's going to. Um, bring this ship home.
0: That was good. That's a good word. Um, I I love that in everything that Jesus did, like Sam was talking about, it, it was about restoring us to the to the Father. And I I can't I can't stop. Um, and can't stop thinking about how not just during resurrection, resurrection morning when he w- rose from the dead, but um, every little moment in his crucifixion, um, man, he was thinking of you, he was thinking of me. Like, this is Jesus saying, I am doing all of this so that. The access that I have to the Father, the way that the Father and I are one, you can be also. Like, he calls us brothers and sisters because we have access now to a loving Father who has his arms wide open. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus in the past and received him as our Lord and Savior, like, you remember that moment where... He embraced you where you didn't feel judged because of the things that you've done in the past, um, but you saw the invitation. You saw that Jesus made a way for you to have a relationship with the Father, for you to be accepted, to be loved without doing a single thing for him. Because guess what? You cannot earn your weight on this one. There's not a single thing that you can do for him. And so that's the beautiful invitation of the gospel its relationship with the father and so if you're here today on this beautiful easter uh sunday um you might be one that has never made that decision you might be one that's like man this is the first time i hear about jesus love like i've always felt like god is this like you know controlling being who's judging me for all the things that i've that i've done and that's not who he is he is a good Father. That is literally how Jesus came to represent him, not as a controlling God who's just ready to um, down the whip on you because of the things that you've done. And so if that's you tonight and, and you feel that tug in your heart where that's the Holy Spirit who's telling you to come home. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, like, there's access. There's a place for you at the table. That at every moment during the crucifixion, Jesus was thinking of you. And he wasn't just thinking about wiping your sins away. He was thinking about your diseases being wiped away. He was thinking about your suffering being wiped away, your pain, your burdens. He carried all those things just for you and just for me. And the beautiful thing about this is that all that this requires is our yes to him. It's really simple. And so um, we asked a few of you guys specifically on the ministry team uh, earlier today if you will be a part of this moment. So I'm going to ask you to come and stand on the front. So um, we're going to have some ministry time, and these folks up here um, are here to help you and walk with you in this moment. So if this is you and you're coming to the realization that, wow, I need a Savior. I need Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. So if that's you tonight, I am going to challenge you to come up and talk to one of these guys. And they're going to lovingly walk with you in this moment. Or you might be somebody who is here today. You haven't, maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Uh, maybe you've been to church, but you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You actually need to make Him Lord of your life. You've made other things Lord over your life. You let anxiety be Lord over your life. You let fear be Lord over your life. But He doesn't just get to be our Savior. He also gets to be the Lord of our lives. And so, if there are any of you tonight who feel like, man, I, I have to recommit my life to him. I have to allow Jesus to be Savior and Lord over my life. That This invitation is for you as well. And so I'm going to, uh, if you guys would put some worship in the background. And for those of you who would come up, you can just go ahead and do that. For those of you on the seats, like your job, our job as a family is to cover people as they're coming up because this is a really big deal for sons and daughters to come home. Man, as a father, I cannot imagine what it would feel like for one of my kids to walk away. What it would feel like for me not to have relationship with them. What it would feel like for them to think that I'm a controlling, angry father. But the idea that they have access to a loving, kind father who is just arms wide open waiting for them. So I'm gonna ask everybody to close their eyes in the room, okay? And so if this is you, if this is pulling, tugging at your heart, Whether it's the first time you've you've never said yes to Jesus before and the Lord is pulling on you, I'm going to ask you to get up from your seat and come to the front. Nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. This is a moment between you and the Lord. And also if you're somebody who's recommitting your life to him. That you're actually going to allow the Lord to be the Lord of your life. You're going to count the cost of what it means to say yes to Jesus with your whole life, with your whole being. Regardless of what comes from it. Regardless of what others might think. Yes, thank you Jesus. Yeah, sons and daughters, come home tonight in Jesus' name. Sons and daughters, come home in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when one of his sons and daughters comes home. So we rejoice with heaven right now. Yeah, would you in your seats right now, would you just rejoice with heaven? Would just thank you, Father. Thank you for sons and daughters who come home. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to give our lives to you. You are so worthy. You are so worthy.
1: Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jesus, that you're always going after the one. You're always going after the one. Yeah, I feel like there's a couple more people who need to come up here to recommit your life to the Lord. And um, we're not, we don't need to rush this moment but there's a pull on your heart right now
1: thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus worthy one thank you father thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you father Thank you, Jesus.
0: Yeah, family, would you just stand your stand your hands over towards the front? Would you just bless what the Lord is doing right now? We thank you, Father, for sons and daughters that are coming home. We thank you for restoration. We bless what you're doing right now in people's lives. We say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Amen. Yes and amen, Jesus.
1: You're so good. 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 good.
0: Like some of us have been like challenged tonight by this idea that God is always good. Like we've, we've known that in our heads, but that, that has that revelation has not sunk into our hearts and that's created like hard places uh, because of things that have happened in the past. And so, again, with every head bow, every eye cl- closed, like if this is you, uh, man, if you need an encounter with the goodness of God tonight. There's encounters with the goodness of God in the room right now. Right now, His goodness meets you right where you're at. Thank you, Father. Now, yeah, if that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? If you need an encounter with the goodness of God tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand.
1: I see you. He sees you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel.
0: Yeah. Anybody else? I don't want to miss you. I don't. I don't want to miss you. If you raise your hand, yeah. Towards the back, we have a raised hand. If a couple of you guys would go and get around people and just bless what the Lord is doing. Yeah. Goodness encounters right now in Jesus' name. Thank
1: you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. Thank you for your goodness.
0: Yeah, thank you that your goodness breaks chains, your goodness breaks bondage.
1: Thank you, Father, that your
0: goodness is washing over people right now. Yeah. We can never have enough of your goodness. We can never have enough
1: of it. We need more of it. You're infinitely good, you're always good.
0: Settling into his goodness right now for your life. Yeah, allow yourself to settle in to his goodness, his kindness, the goodness of the Father.
1: Good, you are good. I don't feel like we're done with this moment yet. Thank you, Jesus. He's still ministering to people. He's in the room. He's in the room.
0: Would you for 10 seconds put his name on your lips? Lord, you are good. We bless your name, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We bless your name, Jesus.
1: You are so good, Father. You are so good.
0: still ministering to people and so um let's um let's do our best to keep this place a sacred place uh, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us today and this this will be your official dismissal um but if you're encountering the lord please don't don't rush there's no no need to rush from that place but father we just thank you we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for making a way. We thank you for making a way for us to the Father. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the ways that you're ministering tonight. We thank you that you're revealing Jesus to people, that you're revealing the Father to people. Father, we just put a seal on tonight and what you've done in our hearts, what you're continuing to do. That your goodness is the place that we get to live from. Your goodness is the place that we get to operate from. Ah, we thank you, Jesus.
1: We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus'
0: name. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahala Mall. Aloha.